All right, good to see you. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to River Glen. Thanks so much for carving out some time to be here and, and making us part of your, uh, of, of your Sunday. Uh, my name is Ben, in case we haven't met. I'll be in the lobby after the service. And if you'd like to stop by and say hi on your way out, I would love to uh, meet you. And uh, if today's your first time, you know what? You picked a great, great weekend to be here as we get started with this new series called Unfinished. Got a little confession to make to you. I've got kind of a bad habit. I start things and I don't finish them. For example, I've got this pile of books on my nightstand right next to the bed. Bunch of books. I've started reading them, but I haven't uh, finished reading them. And I've got a lot of projects around my house that I haven't finished, like this one right here. I bought a gift for my boys, one of my boys for Christmas a couple years ago, a model airplane, one of these wood model airplanes, and I thought this would be fun. You know, we can build this thing uh, together. You know, on the box it says easy to build, but I was just amazed how difficult it was to cut all these little pieces of wood and glue them together. We never finished it, and I concluded that in hell, I think the devil's going to make you, uh, make us build these uh, model uh, airplanes. And sometimes I, I, I start Packer games, Green Bay Packer games, and I don't finish them. I love to watch the Packers. Sometimes I get a little bit stressed out. And like a couple of years ago, last time the Packers played the Cow- Cowboys, it was in the playoffs. wasn't going too well. I said, I, I got mad. I left. I got in my car, drove all the way to the mall, had to pick up something. I'm driving back about an hour later, thought I'd check in on the game. And guess what? Uh, the Packers caught up. And they went on to win the game. You know, sometimes we think we're done, finished, it's over, right before something great begins to happen. And as we begin this uh, new uh, series called Unfinished, I really believe God is about to do something awesome, something great in our lives and in our church. Over the next few weeks, we're going to take a journey that has the potential to impact the lives of hundreds and thousands of, of people. About a year and a half ago, I started having some conversations with staff members and leaders in the church. We sensed this, this stirring in us about you know, what God wants to do next in us and through us. And so our leaders, our staff and our leaders, we began to, to, to pray and, and, and ask God, what's next? What's next? And as we continued and got, went through that season of, of, of praying and, and, and talking to leaders both inside and outside the church, it became more clear to us. And so we began to ask some qualifying questions. We said, okay, does it fit you know, our mission of making more and better followers of Jesus? Does it further our mission? And do, do the, do the uh, new methods facilitate uh, reaching more people for Jesus? And this whole process resulted in this next season of ministry that we're calling unfinished. And so today I wanna talk to you about the specifics of what's next for us. And I can't wait to tell you about all the, all the cool things that we're going to be doing the next couple of years that we believe will have a major impact on the lives of, of many, many people. But before we talk about the what and the where, I want to talk about the why. Because this why is really important because it drives what we do as a church. And, and, and this why, we need to understand it so that the what and the where makes uh, sense. Now, if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and open up to Luke uh, chapter uh, 15. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put the scriptures up on the screen. If you don't own a a Bible, take that one in the uh, chair back in front of you because uh, we want everybody to have a a Bible. That's our gift uh, to you. I will tell you that this chapter has influenced me more professionally and personally or as much as any other part 
of the uh, Bible. Let me give you a little bit of background here. Jesus has been traveling around teaching and healing. And if you're a good teacher, you can draw a crowd. But when you start healing people, I mean, you, you, you attract huge crowds. And that's what's going on here. His popularity has soared. Huge crowds gather around him. And they're not just big, they're diverse crowds. And by diverse, I don't mean skin color. By diverse, I mean different categories of people. Back then, they separated into categories of rich and poor, clean and unclean, powerful and not powerful, religious and not religious, Republican and and Democrat. I mean, they even separated back then in that culture. And back then, people didn't associate with, with, with other people outside their particular category. And so in Luke chapter 15, we see a crowd, a big crowd, gather around Jesus that had probably never come together before in that culture. And as Jesus begins to talk to the crowd, he leverages the opportunity to help them see God in a a new way. Here's what Luke says. He writes this. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Now, when Luke says tax collectors, he's not talking about, you know, your friendly IRS agent, okay? Back then, they hated tax collectors, because tax collectors worked for the Roman government, and so they not only collected uh, taxes, they had the freedom to keep what they wanted. And so if taxes were 30%, they might say, well, let's make it 40% and pocket the extra. And as a result, they got very, very rich. That's why the Jews hated tax collectors. In fact, the only comparison I can think of nowadays is that if you know a person or a group of people, and whenever you think of them, you think disgusting. They're disgusting, you are appalled. You know, that's how the, that's how the Jews you know, felt about tax collectors. Not just tax collectors. It says sinners gathered around Jesus. Now, in, in our culture, you know, we like to say nobody's perfect. You know, we're all sinners. And that makes us feel better, a little better about what we've done or maybe what we're, we're doing. But back then, they would never talk that way. Because they only used the sinner label for people who had done some really, really bad things. I mean, these people were a mess. Nobody thought highly of them. They wasted their lives. They destroyed families. They took advantage of the poor. They hurt kids and did things to kids. And back then, people believed that God wanted nothing to do with sinners. Absolutely nothing. And it says these these two groups of people gathered around, crowded around to hear Jesus, which is interesting, isn't it? They were attracted, something attracted them to, to Jesus. Now, do you think these, these two groups were, were gathering around Jesus because Jesus was condemning? Because Jesus was judgmental? Because Jesus, you know, brought out a, a, a pulpit, you know, and he, and, he, and he banged on it, and he, and he yelled, and he screamed, and, and they said, you know, we want more of that. No, no, no. They gathered because Jesus shows them a side of God that they had never seen before. And they felt welcomed probably for the first time. And then Luke continues, and he says, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man, Jesus, welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were the religious leaders. They were like the professional church people back then. And it says they complained about the crowd that gathered around Jesus. And they said, Jesus, we can't believe you're hanging around. You're hanging out with these, with these people. And, and you even sit down with them. And eat with them. I mean, it would be one thing if you condemn them, but, you know, you're being kind to them. How dare you? And in the midst of this tension in the crowd, 
Luke writes that Jesus told them a parable. Now, Jesus loved to tell parables. Parables are stories that make a spiritual point. He would tell parables to help us understand God, to help us understand him, to help us understand the mission of the church. And Jesus doesn't tell this crowd one parable. It's the only time I I know of that he does this. He tells them three parables because the message he wants to get across is very, very important. And so he begins by saying a shepherd had 100 sheep. And one of his sheep wanders off, and the shepherd does a very unusual thing. He leaves the 99 found sheep, and he goes after that one lost sheep. And, and he searches and searches until, he, until eventually he finds it. And he's so happy. He takes that sheep, puts it around his shoulders, and carries it all the way home. Calls his buddies, and he throws a party to celebrate the finding of that lost sheep. And then Jesus closes the story by saying, I tell you, in the same way, there'll be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. I picture Jesus looking right at those sinners and tax collectors as he he makes this point that just like that shepherd, God is looking for you, God is searching for you, not to tell you how bad you are, but to bring you home. And he goes right into a second story. He says a woman had 10 special coins. Maybe she had woven them into her clothing. Maybe she wore them in her dress on her wedding day, making them extra special. But one day she wakes up in the morning and she realizes she has lost one of those coins. And she tears apart her house looking for the lost coin. She gets on Facebook and she says, has anybody seen my coin? Has anybody seen my coin? She keeps looking and looking, and when she eventually finds that coin, she is so happy. She gets on Facebook, and she throws a party with all her friends to celebrate the finding of that lost coin. And Jesus says, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, I grew up thinking that, you know, when a sinner would find their way home, when a lost person would would find Jesus, that the angels in heaven would rejoice. But that's not what it says. Look at this. It actually says there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels. Do you know who celebrates? Do you know who wears the party hat in heaven? God does. When you and I finally find our way home, God celebrates. And then Jesus tells the third and the most famous of all the parables. He said a father had two sons and one day the younger son came to him and made a surprising request. He said, dad, I want my inheritance. And the father did something even more surprising. The father said, okay. And he granted his youngest son's request. And Jesus said that younger son took all the money and he went to a faraway place called Viva Las Baghdad and he just blew it all on wild living. And he ends up broke. And one day he, he just realizes, you know what? If I went back to my father's house and lived in the barn with all the servants, I would have it better than I have it right now. And so the son heads home. And as he approaches his father's house, he rehearses his apology speech. But Jesus says the father sees him and gets up and runs to him, which is very unusual because in that ancient culture, a distinguished man never ran. But the father doesn't care. He runs and, and, and wraps his arms around his son. He hugs him and forgives him. And he says, we're going to throw a party. We're going to have a celebration. Jesus closes the parable by saying this to the older son. We had to celebrate because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. He was dead, not physically, but relationally. And now the relationship is restored. And he's alive. He was lost 
and he's found. And Jesus ends it right there. Now, anytime you read and, and study parables, you need to ask three questions to really get at the meaning. Here's the first question. Who is God in the story? And in these parables, God is the shepherd and the woman and the father. Second question, who are we in the parables? We are the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost younger son. And then by far the most important question, what does this tell us about God? It says something about God that is so important. Jesus tells three parables to to make sure we get the message. And this message is so important. It's actually the theme of the entire Bible, and here it is right here. God loves lost people. God loves lost people. Now, if I were to say to you, you know, you're a lost person, you know, you might feel insulted by that. You know, don't say that. That's condescending. Don't call me lost. But here's what it means to be lost. Lost literally means we don't know where we are and we don't know where we're going. And the truth is that all of us have felt lost, spiritually speaking. I mean, if you've ever wondered about the purpose of life, and, and why am I here? If you've ever felt like something is missing from your life and you're searching for it, or if you have ever you know, done something bad and felt guilty and, 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 and ashamed and felt uh, regret, and you wondered, how do I get rid of that? Not, not just how do I get rid of that with the other person. How do I get rid of that with God? Or if you've ever taken a step further and asked the question, a bigger question, how do I, how do I receive forgiveness from God? As you get older, you ask this question, what happens when I die? You know, what, what happens on the other side? How, how, can I, how can I be sure I'll be with God in the next life? If you've wrestled, you know, with any of these questions, Jesus would say, guess what? You're lost. And all of us have been there before. And he says, God loves lost people with the kind of love that compels a shepherd to leave the 99 and go after the one. The kind of love that compels a woman to just tear apart her house looking for a lost coin. And the kind of love that compels a father to go against culture and to run, to hug his, his son because he came back home again. God loves lost people with that kind of love. And so God says to tax collectors and sinners and, and to every lost person, Jesus says, God loves you. And to religious leaders and, and followers of Jesus today, Jesus says, if, if, if you want to get closer to God, develop a heart for the lost. Develop God's heart for the lost. In fact, God loves lost people so much. He didn't just send Jesus to tell stories. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for, for, for every lost person. And so when Marnie and I moved up here from Kentucky 20 years ago, this message that God loves lost people motivated everything that we, that we did. We, we, we said, you know, we don't want to move up here and just start, you know, just another church. We want to start a church where this message that God loves lost people really drives what we do because we decided if God loves lost people that much, we should too. And so we started a new church for people who had never been before or who had walked away or who had been told to go away And did you know that in Waukesha County, about 85% of people fall into this category? And so almost 20 years ago, we launched River Glen. And this commitment to God loving lost people has driven us ever since. And this is the why that, that leads us into this next season of ministry that we're calling Unfinished. Now, we put together a, a video to uh, tell you more, not about the why uh, behind it, but about the what the next 24 months 
are going to look like for us. And so take a look at the screens. I'll never forget what happened on March 2nd, 1997. That's the day we held the grand opening of River Glen Church at Waukesha West High School. We had no idea how many people would attend. A group of 20 of us formed a launch team and spent several months praying and planning. We would have been thrilled if 100 people would have shown up. But God blew us away and did way more than we imagined. Get this, over 700 people attended. It was crazy. It was a God thing. And that strong start created momentum. Church leveled off at about 300, but continued to grow. And in 2003, God opened this door for us to purchase 40 acres of beautiful land in Genesee to build a home for the church. Having our own home, our own facility, took River Glen to a new level in our ability to make more and better followers of Jesus. But from day one, we said that this new building is not a landing place, it's a launching pad. It's a launching pad for new believers and new ministries and new leaders. It's also a launching pad for new churches. In 2006, we, we sent 50 people to help launch the Ridge Community Church. Pastor Mark White and his team lead one of the most impactful churches in Milwaukee County. It went so well that we sensed God leading us to help launch more new churches. And then in 2013, we expanded our building to give us an even bigger launching pad to make more and better followers of Jesus locally, regionally, and globally. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And now we're on the verge of another defining moment at River Glen that will mark our church's impact on our community for years to come. God's not finished with River Glen as a church, and he's not finished with us as growing disciples. Not a single one of us has arrived at our spiritual peak. There's much more God wants to do in us and through us. As God continues to bring opportunities for growth to us as a church, he also brings opportunities for growth to us as individuals. The gospel requires a response, and a response requires action. So we as a leadership have prayed and discerned together what this will mean for us as a church. And we're calling this next season of ministry Unfinished. Unfinished is a 24-month generosity initiative in which we're going to take a journey with God and surrender to him our plans, priorities, and purposes so that he can shape us and continue finishing us into the people that he wants us to be. Our primary goal in Unfinished is for 100% of us as disciples to recognize we're not a finished people and God still has more for us ahead. Our secondary goal in Unfinished is that God would use these resources to move his mission forward through River Glen in three key areas. We're an unfinished people. God seeks for us to maintain our momentum in ministry and continue to reach out and make more and better followers of Jesus. We need to make sure that all of our existing ministries to children, students, and adults stay alive, healthy, and growing. Unfinished includes a two-year investment into our general budget ministries, which are anything but general. We want to continue seeking excellence in everything we do at River Glen as our general ministry is the catalyst of everything God's doing to shape us as unfinished people. I can remember Ben speaking on baptism one, one baptism day and I found myself uh, listening to myself all the reasons why I didn't have to or shouldn't have to have been baptized a child and all that. And it dawned on me, I'm a salesman, and it dawned on me who I was negotiating with. and. Uh, 
That was during the nine o'clock service and then the next service I was baptized. We're also an unfinished church. We wanna give more people access to what God's doing through River Glen. That's why we're launching two new campuses, an online campus and a physical location approximately 15 to 30 minutes away from our current campus. In addition, by retiring debt, we'll be able to increase our investment in growing current and new locations. We are on an unfinished mission. We're not finished reaching out beyond the walls of River Glen to grow the Big C Church. We want to plant five more new churches by 2020, which includes a new church in Pittsburgh in the fall of 2017. In addition, over the next two years, we seek to unleash a wave of compassion to help those in need locally, regionally, and globally. Unfinish is what we're calling a one-fund initiative. Many of you may be used to a traditional campaign where you give a gift above and beyond your normal giving. Unfinished is different than that. Unfinished is all one mission, our general ministry budget, our expansion for our two new campuses, our local and global mission efforts, and our church planting in Pittsburgh and beyond. Unfinished is a call to all of us to commit one whole number, one total commitment to radical sacrificial generosity over the next two years as we declare we are a church that is unfinished and a people who are unfinished. My challenge is for you to consider what it means to acknowledge that God isn't finished with you as a disciple, to trust him in a way that you've never done before. Start thinking what it would look like if every single one of us participated in history-making, sacrificial generosity for the mission of making more and better followers of Jesus. We're praying that as close as possible to 100% of us in this River Glen family would choose to take a big step of faith and commit radically to unfinished generosity for the next two years. So join us on this journey. No one's ever regretted giving sacrificially to expand the kingdom. So let's do it. Let's take this unfinished journey and trust God like never before. I want to just take a few minutes and walk you through those three areas that the video uh, talked about, three areas of uh, unfinished. And the first area is unfinished people. We're all unfinished people. God's not done with anybody in this room. And what God does is he uses our ministries, the kids and the students and to adults to do a finishing work in our lives. And so for the next two years, we want to fully fund our annual budget to keep all of our ministries alive and strong and growing because we're not done, you know, growing and developing group life ministry and kid life ministry and student ministry and Stephen ministry and celebrate recovery and all of our ministries. We want to grow all of them because people are unfinished. Now, the second area is unfinished church, and this is the one that brings the most questions. First, as you heard on the video, we're going to launch a full online campus because nowadays what people do is they go online before they go on site to a church just like before people go to a restaurant nowadays what do they do they go online and go to the website check check the menu before they go and nowadays people are the same way with church especially people who, who have never been they're going to go online first and so we're going to provide a full live worship experience people will actually be able to watch services online, and there'll be an online host, live online host to help them and uh, engage them. Not only that, we're going to launch our first 
regional campus. We're going to become a multi-site church. You know, I think of it this way. We're going to we're going we're gonna to copy and paste, you know, just like with your computer, you know, you copy and you paste something in a different uh, location. We're going to take what we're doing here and we're going we're gonna to copy it and we're going to take it 15 to 30 minutes away and paste it in another location to give more people access to what God's doing through River Glen. You know, every church, every site has about a 15-minute sphere of influence and so this will expand our outreach for, for Jesus. Now people have all sorts of questions about this and the main one, uh, the main question people ask is uh, at the new campus, will there be donuts? You know, um, you know what about Skittles? Uh, what about coffee? You know, what about the Cheez-Its? And uh, yes, to all of them, like I said, we are going to copy what we're doing here and we're going to paste uh, all of it. It's going to be really cool and we'll tell you more about that in the next few weeks. But in today's world, growing churches are multi-site churches. And then debt reduction is also part of Unfinished Church because reducing our debt is going to allow us to put more of our resources into our mission of making more and better followers of Jesus. And then here's the third and last area, unfinished mission. Over the next few years, we are going to unleash a wave of compassion and generosity locally, regionally, and globally. We are going to give away more money and more of ourselves meeting and serving needs in the local community than ever before. We're going to fully fund our Love Waukesha initiative because we don't want to just tell people about Jesus. We want people to experience him through what we do in the local community. And we're going to strengthen our partnerships in Kenya and in Haiti. I had an opportunity a few weeks ago right before the hurricane to visit Haiti. And I'm, I'm looking forward, I'll tell you more in, in, in another weekend about God opening just an incredible door of opportunity for us in Haiti. The video also talked about our, our new goal for church planting. Back in 2010, we, we felt God leading us to start five new churches by 2020. We call it the five and 10. And if you go by the Red Sea Cafe, you'll see pictures of the five churches that we have helped to start. One of them was just a few weeks ago, City of Light Church in Wauwatosa. God is just blessed. And we have accomplished the five and 10 goal three years early, which is great, but our leaders have sensed God leading us to revise the goal and plant five more new churches by 2020. And so we're increasing the goal from five by 2020, five and 10, to 10 new churches by 2010, or 10 by uh, 20. And as you heard on the video, this is really cool. We already have the next one identified. We're going to start a new church in Pittsburgh. And I feel a little bit mixed about this one. Some of you know this, that this involves one of our staff members. Brandon and Danielle Stevenson are going to move back to Pittsburgh in January. And next year, this time, they are going to launch a brand new church in uh, uh, Pittsburgh. Uh, but I'm going to miss Brandon. I mean, he's a great friend, great, great leader, uh, great uh, preacher. But I think of it this way. He's not leaving. We're sending him. We're getting fully behind him uh, financially through Unfinished. And it's going to be exciting to watch this new church birth and grow. We're going to tell you more about that next weekend. So make sure you're here. All right, here's the total goal uh, for Unfinished. This is how everything adds up. The total is $7.5 million. Unfinished people, Unfinished church, Unfinished mission adds up to $7.5 million over the next two years. That's a big goal. You know, that's a stretch 
for us. But let me give you some perspective on this. On it. This, this top line right here, that's already there, okay? That's there whether we do this or not. That represents two years of weekly offerings. That's our annual budget times two. These two lines right here represent growth and, and uh, expansion. So is this a stretch for us, seven and a half million? Yes. Is it foolish? No. I mean, I really believe this is a realistic goal for us because we believe this is what God has called us uh, to do. Here's what it is. Unfinished is a faith journey with God. And here's our primary goal, 100% participation. We want everybody to take a step of faith that they have never taken before. And so for some of you, uh, this is going to mean building on steps that you're already uh, taking. And that's going to that's grow you spiritually. For others of you, this may start your faith, okay, and build it in new ways in your life. And whatever the outcome, we're praying for seven and a half million. We're, we're believing God for seven and a half million. But whatever the outcome, that is our secondary goal. I mean, if somebody were to come to us today and write a check for seven and a half million dollars, we would still do this, okay? Because that would not accomplish God's goal. That would not uh, accomplish God's purpose in growing us as individual followers of, of Jesus. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, we, would, we would deposit that check immediately, okay? Um, but that would only be like 0.001% uh, participation, and who even knows if that's a sacrifice for that person. Maybe it's just a drop in the bucket. So here's what I'm asking you to do. First of all, go on this journey, okay? And, and here's what I mean. Be here each weekend. Make it a priority to be here. Even if you've got some questions or, or doubts or you're not sure... Go on this journey with us. I'm telling you, these services that we have planned are going to be some of the most inspiring services that we have ever uh, done. And then second, I want you to begin doing what our staff and leaders have been doing for several months. Pray, 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 pray. Ask God, what's next? God, what's next? And then third, if you're not already, I want you to join an unfinished small group. Now, if you're already in a group, great. I want you to really dive in with those people over these next few weeks. And if you're not, I want to tell you that this journey is just going to be more fun and fulfilling if you do it together with other uh, people. And then fourth, we've got some excellent resources for you. The first resource our ushers are going, going down the aisles handing out is this booklet here. And uh, our staff team did just a fantastic job on this booklet. I want you to take this with you and look through it later uh, today. And then I want you to bring it with you on the weekends. We've got some space in here for you to take notes on the messages. And also, take this with you to your small group. The small group studies are actually in this uh, booklet. Use this booklet as a guide as you go through this uh, series. Another uh, uh, resource that we have for you is the unfinished uh, website, We Are Finished. .cc. This is a fantastic website. Uh, you're going to want to go here. There's a lot of information about Unfinished here. There's videos. And we're just going to keep adding and building on this website. So be sure to check out the Unfinished uh, website. And then one more resource we have for you is actually a gift. You get one of these. We've got a free T-shirt for everybody here. In fact, we've got the Unfinished Hub in the lobby on your way out. You be sure and stop there and pick up your free t-shirt, and we want you to wear it. We want you to have fun with it. We think it's a great way to promote 
and engage in this journey of faith. Now, on the back of the uh, shirt is this verse, our theme verse for Unfinished from Philippians chapter 1. Paul says, I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Question for you, is God finished with River Glen? No. Is God finished with any of us here? No. Uh, God's not finished until the day when Christ returns. And until then, we're unfinished reaching more people for, uh, for Jesus. I want to share a story with you that uh, somebody from River Glen uh, wrote for me. And uh, it's a story of their life. And I just want to share just a little bit from it. Here's how it goes. Before Jesus, my life was immersed in fear, neglect, insecurity, judgment, sex, Countless men, lies, drugs, alcohol, manipulation, and my utter desperation to be accepted. It was a lonely place. As a little girl, I was raised in a family that looked great and fun and happy on the outside, but in reality, my parents were partying and drinking and dragging us along to bars and events that were consumed with drinking. I grew up with no sort of religion or church upbringing. I believed in God, but had no idea what that looked like. I found River Glen after another inpatient stay in the psychiatric hospital for severe depression and alcohol and drug abuse. I was roommates with a young girl whose parents attend River Glen, and I asked to join them on a pass we had that weekend. Over the years, I've searched far and wide for God, and the moment I walked into River Glen, I didn't look back. I joined a small group. I was baptized. I attend faithfully every week, developing some of the best friends I've ever had who really love me for who I am, faults and all. I've regained sobriety and have seen Jesus work in my life to a degree I've never encountered. I gave myself to him and am continuously working through Bible studies and prayer. I just received news that my children will be returned to me later this month for good. I did it with him and only him. Thank you, River Glen, and the beautiful ladies that have held me close and uh, loved me. Now, I know that my number one guy is him, no one else. You know, when... When we love lost people like God loves lost people, that's what happens right there. And that's why we're doing what we're doing over these next few weeks. And so as we go on this journey, God's not only going to make our faith stronger, God's going to use us to make many more stories just like uh, that. You know, in the story uh, that I just read to you, she mentioned her baptism. And earlier in the service when we watched the video, we saw Alan's uh, uh, baptism. Baptism affirms and celebrates that you have found uh, Jesus. And maybe for some of you here, that is your next step. Maybe that's the part of your faith that is unfinished right now. And so we're going to have a baptism opportunity coming up in, in, in two weeks, October 29th and, and 30th. And if you'd like to participate, just stop at the information center. We've got a card. Fill that out. And uh, we'd love to baptize you. We've got everything that you need here available to you. Baptism expresses our commitment to follow Jesus. And so does communion. Now, as we prepare to move into communion, I want you to imagine something. Imagine I just went ahead this weekend and I said, you know, this is the last time we're taking communion. We're finished with communion. We're done with it. Each week, you know, we take communion to remember the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross to forgive all our sins. The bread represents his body. The juice represents his blood. We share communion to to align our hearts with following uh, him. But imagine, I just said, this is it. We don't need communion anymore. It's finished. That's crazy, isn't it? That's ridiculous. We need communion because God is working in all of our lives. God's not finished with any of us. We need communion. 
And so these next few moments, let's use them to remember once again what Jesus did for us on the cross. And remember, this is the why, okay, that drives what we do as a church. And let's open ourselves up and ask God, what's next? What's next? Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for sending Jesus, not just to teach parables, to teach stories, but to sacrifice his life on the cross for us and for all lost people. And God, thank you for using us to carry out your mission in this world. What an amazing blessing it is for us to to be in a place where we are talking about impact and growth and you are challenging and stretching our faith to really be in this season. And God, we thank you for stories like we just heard and read. God, we want to see more and more of these stories. We want to see hundreds and thousands more of these stories because each story represents a person that is precious and loved by you. So God, as we go through this next season, we just ask, what's next? And God, we're open and we commit to going on the journey. God, may we be faithful. May our heart be fully aligned with your heart because you love lost people and we do too. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.